Hi there, and welcome to the Rash Cast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So, uh, another week, another missed podcast, but here we are on Sunday, immediately after the Diamondbacks game. Uh, so hopefully timeliness will make up for uh, the missing of the Phillies series. But uh, since we're recapping a week, the Nationals treaded water. They went 3-3 three and three this week. Uh, it was... Frustrating. The offense uh, was frustrating, and then intermittently not frustrating, and then frustrating, and then they won the last game. Uh, but it's, I mean, we're nearing the quarter pole of the, the season, and uh, the Nats are five games under 500. Four games they under. They are four games under 500. What are they, 16 and 20? 16 and 20. Yes. I'm sorry. I forgot they won today. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, they've still played four fewer games than most other teams. But they're nearing the quarter pole of the season. And uh, it's time to start maybe uh, having some takeaways about this team and its true talent. But honestly, I just can't tell. I have no idea what this team is. Yeah, I think there's lots of reasons for that. One of the injuries to Strasburg has really put, you know, the back end of the rotation more on notice. And this thing we'll talk about, you know, the difference between Fetty, who pitched great today, seven shutout innings, versus Joe Ross, Ross who pitched terribly the day before. Um, so, you know, that's one thing that's been hard to kind of read the t- this team's true talent. Juan Soto's injury and then slow start back is another reason. And then additionally, on top of all of that, you know, the uncharacteristic, I mean, Pretty uncharacteristically, slow starts from both Bell and Schwarber right. have made it really difficult to really see how this team really is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been – the Nats have knock on wood again. I, I'm sitting on a desk that is not made of wood, but let's just pretend I knocked on wood. Uh, the Nats have had relatively good injury luck. I mean, obviously they've – They've lost their most important player and their best player for periods of time. Two different players, Strasburg and Soto. But beyond that, they've been relatively healthy. But they've also had very poor performance from guys that they were counting on, or uncharacteristically poor. I I don't know if you can describe what Soto has been up to as, as poor in general, just poor comparatively to what you expect Mm -hmm. from Juan Soto. Um, I mean, it, it's been 35 games. And, and last podcast, we talked about sort of, you know, not maybe rushing to judgment on Bell and Schwarber, but uh, considering 30 games is a reasonably large sample size to sort of evaluate them going forward. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I just, this team as a whole... Uh, they've got an opportunity in the next couple weeks to really pick up some ground against some mediocre opponents. I think that maybe once we hit that 50-game mark, they'll be easier to evaluate. Uh, of course, if you had said that in 2019 and tried to evaluate the, uh, the team after 50 games, uh, what was their record after 50 games that year? Um, 19 and 31. And also, you know, shout out to another team that clinched a playoff spot or play in playoff spot today, the Wizards, 
who started off their season thir- 17 and 32, very similar to the Nationals 19 and 31. So, you know, it's a DC thing, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's clearly it. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously the Washington Wizards are, and I can't say this with any bias, uh, they're going to beat the Nets. Or they're going to beat the Celtics, then the Nets, and then they're going to win the NBA championship. Yeah, it's, it's over for everyone else. Yeah, th- that's the kind of thing that happens in basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover Nats, Wizards, uh, big fans who listen to this podcast. But uh, given that I don't know anything about basketball, uh, we'll move on very quickly. The uh, This week, the Nats had the... Uh, so they, they lost on Monday, or they didn't play on Monday. They lost on Tuesday, uh, sort of in boring fashion. Then Wednesday, um, they had a, a game where they were leading 2-1 to one after eight innings, and Brad Hand blew the save in the ninth inning uh, and then contributed to the loss in the tenth. Uh I've been hearing a lot of sort of grumbling and complaints about Brad Hand uh, after three consecutive four outings. Today, obviously, he was perfect. One, two, three, two strikeouts. The thing about closers is they are invariably coming into the ballgame when the game is on the line. It's a tight game. Your team is leading in the ninth inning. So when they lose or when they have a poor performance, the team will probably lose the game and you will blame them for the loss but that's really not how baseball works uh obviously there were a lot of other things that put the the team in that circumstance you know there's a lot of uh you know on on tuesday the nets basically got shut down by chase anderson and had josh bell uh strike out on four pitches in a key spot on wednesday they scored two runs off of Zach Wheeler and, and the Phillies bullpen uh, and missed the chance to extend their lead and then missed the chance to score in the ninth inning. I mean, if you're a, if you're a closer, you're going to have a bad week. It's just a thing that happens in baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, the spotlight's going to be on you when you have that bad week. Hands' velocity's been fine. His walks have been up and his strikeouts have been down, which is concerning. But... I mean, he's the guy you paid ten and a half million dollars for to close games. You know, I would prefer, given having nothing to do with Hand, but given how weak the Nets are from the left side of the bullpen, that Hand be used on a more matchup basis. You know, where he's going to face multiple left-handers in an inning. You know, if there if there are multiple left-handers in the eighth inning of a game that you're leading, I'd rather see Hand come in than Hudson, especially given how good Hudson's been. But, I mean, it's one bad week. Closers have a bad week all the time. Uh, and he was great today. So I'm not all that concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. <clears throat> there are no signs pointing to anything to be concerned about with Hand. You know, he lost his his biggest thing was his fastball control this week. And he lost it a little bit. But he, he definitely had it today. And, yeah, I think, as you said, you know, it's just a thing that's going to happen when you, with closers. Is that sometimes it's going to look bad. And he looked really good up until that point throughout the year, giving up one run until the last weekend. So 
yeah, not too concerned about hand. That's not where you know where I'd make a change if I'm if I'm Davy. There are other places where I'd make a change, and there's one change coming this week, and we talk a little bit more about it. I, I guess it's now a good time to talk about it. You know, Strasburg made his rehab start today. He pitched well. He went five five up, which means he went you know got which means he's probably going to be good for about five six innings his next time through. Right, he threw um, seventy five pitches, four and a third innings. Exactly. So he um, so Strasburg's looking like he's going to come back Friday. And it lines up well with Fetty's spot in the rotation. However, you have a choice you can make here. Um, and Ross will have one more start before Strasburg comes back. He'll be starting Thursday, most likely. Um, and then the question is, do you stick with Fetty or Ross? Fetty, who had his best start of the year this year, seven shot innings against the Diamondbacks. And Ross had one of his, not even his worst start of the year last year, because he's been worse than that before. Um so after you've seen him pitch, you know, for now two months, which one do you lean towards in terms of who you'd want to stay in the rotation? Well, so statistically, Fetty has been clearly better. Uh, strikeouts, which is the thing you sort of expected Ross to have a bigger edge on. Stri- Ross has been slightly better on strikeouts, uh, 8.33 to 8.24 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, you know, Fetty's made eight starts. Ross has made seven Ross has been great or good in five starts and really, really terrible in two starts. So obviously, you know, Fetty has been, Fetty has had two very, you know, bad starts that were not nearly as bad as Ross's very bad starts. Uh, this is the rare, until, uh, until today when Fetty got a lot of ground balls and was very effective, uh, this was the rare season in his career where Fetty was uh, having a worse ERA than his FIP. Now they're about even, and, and Fetty's got a 4.35 ERA and a 4.39 FIP. Uh, Ross is at 5.8 and 5.87. Uh, they've both been walking too many guys. They're both over four per nine in walks. Ross actually has a worse walk rate than Fetty, uh, but Fetty has. You know, his velocity is up about a mile an hour uh, over previous. Uh, he still doesn't really attack the zone as much as you'd want other than today. Uh, and I'd still, you know, if I had to choose who was going to be a better pitcher overall at this season, the end of the season, I would take Ross over Fetty. Uh, I mean, that being said, really, I think they're roughly equal in quality. I don't think... You know, they're, they're a five-starter. I mean, I, I'd say that both of them, that is where they're going to sort of, they're going to be four or five starters. Uh, you know, Fetty has looked worse in previous seasons, but he really does look like a different pitcher. He's getting strikeouts. Uh, you know, Fetty also has a better ground ball rate than Ross. It's hard to say, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't think that the difference between Ross and Fetty with, you know, who's going to start is going to make that much of a difference. Um, now, I don't know what the Nats do because neither Ross nor Fetty has options. Uh, and the Nats have already, I mean, they, they successfully converted Austin Voth into a leader, who looks terrific, by the way. Uh, he gave yeah. up two runs last night, but... Uh, you know, he's, he's hitting 97 miles an hour with his fastball. Uh, 
Dre was a guy who sat like 91 to 93 in his career. And he looks great. So I don't know that they have much use for Fetty or Voth as a reliever, but I imagine they'll stick around. Um, yeah, I, I can't see them DFAing either of one of them right now. Right. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of weird to DFA Fetty when he's finally looking like he's turning a corner as a pitcher. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it it doesn't really matter because you keep Ross or Fetty, whichever one you choose, stretched out. And if one starts to struggle, you can always go to the other one. Uh, just like in 2012 when the Nats had uh, Ross Detweiler, who was pitching reasonably well, they slotted Chinming Wong back in the rotation. Uh, and then when Wong wasn't very good, they brought Detweiler back almost immediately. I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal. Assuming that, yes, don't roll your eyes at me for bringing up Chinming Wong and Ross Detweiler. Uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, one struggles, you can always go to the other. Assuming there are no other injuries in the Nats rotation and that uh, you only need the five of them. It's a fifth starter. You just yeah. need them to, to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what else did you take away from the series? I, uh, I mean, the first game, the offense, you know, looked like it was working, obviously scoring 17 runs. And then, you know, the next two games, the offense goes away. So, you know, the offense has been very inconsistent. Well, I don't even know if I'd say it's been inconsistent because I'd say it's more consistent bad than in anything. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, it's all... It all really depended on, you know, Schwarber and Bell. And on Friday, we saw that, you know, both of them. Well, would Bell do Friday? I can't fully remember. Sorry, I'm Bell talking had my ass a little bit. Two runs. That's right. Up. Bell had that double. Yeah. yeah. And Schwarber had the homer. They went, you know, Schwarber went three for four. Bell went two for five. Um, the offense scored 17 runs that night. Um, not saying that. I Well, yeah. If they can start hitting, you can see how much this offense can do. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, well, and, and when you have the thing about Schwarber, Schwarber, at least has been hitting lately. Schwarber's got yeah. his WRC plus up to 96. He's, he's at two thirty two twenty three three ten four eleven. 11. He's been very hot in the last week. Uh, and you know, that's, it's still early enough in the season where you can, you can move. You know, you can change the narrative of your season with one hot week. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe less so for Bell, who's really been struggling. But, yeah, I mean, Schwarber hit this week. Bell, I don't know. Bell had one, he had a home run on Thursday, uh, as did Schwarber. Schwarber had another home run on Friday. But Bell also had that double. He had a couple of big hits, but in general hasn't looked great. Yeah, Shoreburn his last fifteen games is two fifty average with an eight eighty two uh, OPS. Right. So he's definitely getting back on track. Uh, I mean, those are the numbers you expect even better average from him than you normally would expect. Uh, four home runs in the last fifteen games. So yeah, he, I definitely say Schwarber's more or less getting on back back on track to what you would expect from him. But yeah, it really depends on what you know. How much longer do you stick with the Bell experiment? It's not really an experiment, but like. 
definitely not. When do you start putting Zim in the lineup more often? I think, I mean, it's irrelevant. You need Bell to play at least occasionally this season. I mean, Zimmerman can't be an everyday guy. Uh, it's just obvious that, you know, he he seems to want to play yeah. once or twice a week. Uh, maybe you can push it to two or three times a week out of seven, but you're never going to turn Zimmerman back into a full-time player. Bell, you know, doesn't need to be great. You know, it would be beneficial if he was great. But, uh, yeah, I would say that we're at the point already where Zimmerman should be playing twice or three times a week instead of once or twice. But beyond that, you know, that's that's as much playing time as you're going to get out of Ryan Zimmerman. So, uh, I mean, Bell just needs to hit. He's got to figure it out. Because, you know, he's the first baseman, you know, in, in the Nats' conception of the next two years. He's the first baseman for the next two years. They don't need him yep. to hit like, you know, April through June 2019, Josh Bell. But what they do need is for him to not be a net drag on the team offensively. And mm-hmm. they have dropped him in the order. They've been hitting him sixth lately, which is a good sign. Uh, you know, Davey... In the beginning of the week, insisted on hitting him third a bunch, almost as a middle finger to all good sense. Like, there's there's a difference between faith and denial of reality. And what Davey was doing earlier in the week sort of bordered on denial. But, I mean, you're not, you don't have, you have a player who can hit, who can play for his base, you know who can spell Bell, and and play him play occasionally, but he can't play full time. So mm-hmm. Bell needs to play because he's the only other first baseman on the roster, and he needs to hit. And hopefully he figures out how to do that. Yep. Uh, one, so now, one other good. What did you say? I was just gonna say one other good sign this week was that Victor Robles had a very good series in, uh, in Arizona. Which, yeah, he was hitting the ball very hard this week. The Nats don't need, you know, offense is, at, is aggregatory. I don't know if that's a word. But the Nats don't need amazing performances. They, they need above average performances from some players. They don't need the greatest. You know, Robles is still, you know, he had a hot streak. He's still walking a ton. Um his on base percentage is 352. His slugging average is 324. So, you know, he's, I mean, he's been combined with his offense and his defense. He's been good enough. Uh, obviously, a 91 WRC plus and a 324 slugging percentage were not what you were hoping out of Victor Robles, you know, five star prospect. But the Nats don't need him to carry the offense if. Soto starts hitting, and Schwarber hits, and Bell hits. But I don't know. It's, again, another reason why it's so hard to get a read on this team. Because mm-hmm. um, you don't know what you have in Robles, uh, and a lot of the guys you were counting on haven't played up to their potential. Yep. So let's look forward to uh, this week now. Uh, Nats going to Chicago 
to take four games on with Cubs. Cubs this year nineteen and twenty. Uh, they won today. They played just played a series against the Tigers. They won today five to one, and so the Nats have four games. They're tomorrow night uh, at seven forty. It's John Lester versus. I'm gonna butcher his name. Is it Albert um, Azale? Albert Azale. That's right. Albert. I know it's a really funny name. Not as funny as then we Kevin got Ginkle. 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 Then we have Patrick Corbin versus Zach Davies, Max Scherzer versus Jake Arrieta, and Joe Ross versus Trevor Williams. This, I mean, the, the Cubs have some of the worst starting pitching in baseball, and the Nats miss their putative ace in Kyle or uh, Kyle Hendricks, who has not pitched very well this year. So the Nats, you know, between, I mean, not to not to get too far ahead of our skis here or out in front of our skis, or whatever the expression is. But the Nats have the Cubs for four in Chicago. Then they have Baltimore for three. Then they have uh, Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Uh, it's a 10-game homestand. They have a chance here in the next 14 games to go you know, at least 9-5 and five and get back to 500 you might think that they might be able to do even more than that. This yeah. is a stretch where they play a lot of middling, mediocre, and worse teams. And, you know, they, they need to, at some point, have a good stretch of games. They've been very inconsistent this year. Uh, you know, they're lucky to be where they are. They're only three games out of first. This isn't like 2019 when the Braves were incredibly hot and the Nats were already... You know, nine games back by the time they hit game 50. Uh, so it's not like that. But at some point, you know, the Nats have now a soft part of the schedule. But I would argue that the the part of the schedule that they just had was, you know, if not soft, you ran into a lot of teams that haven't been playing great baseball. The Braves, the Yankees, the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks. And in that stretch, the Nats went... Uh, you know, four and eight, which is not. Great. I'd say the difference. I'd say the difference between that stretch and this stretch are the outside the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, the Braves, and the Yankees. I'd say are all good teams. Right. So they still have a lot of talent on those teams. So I understand why they would lose those games. Right. I'm not. I'm not suggesting they should have gone nine and five, but six and six would have been nice. And you know, if you're going to win the division. You like the the goal for a team that's trying to be good in this league is to go 500 against the good teams and beat up on the slop. And the Nats mm-hmm. weren't able to go 500 against the good teams this week, and the good teams weren't even playing that well. Uh, so hopefully they can beat up on. I mean, I don't know that it's the slop, but these are teams that are eminently beatable, like the the Brewers. Yeah have been skidding. They're missing, you know, Christian Yelich. I don't know if he'll, he'll be, be back. back by the time we play them. I have no idea. He's already started a rehab assignment. Okay, so he'll be back by the time we play them. Uh, the Reds are going to be missing uh, Joey Votto, who wasn't playing great anyway, but uh, they've had some weird luck. They're, I don't know how good any team in the NL Central is. The Orioles are the Orioles. I don't know if the Nats will be seeing John Means, but he's the only 
real player of note on that team, unless you're a uber Orioles fan and you just love Cedric Mullins. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is just it's a it's a stretch of games where the Nats have a chance, especially with the series against the Cubs, when you're facing really the the second worst starting pitching staff in the National League behind maybe only the Rockies to score some runs, to get Bell and Soto right. Uh, so I would say look for the team to do that. If they still look like they're scuffling offensively, then, you know, it's it's not a good sign. This is the, the next two weeks. I wouldn't say it's a pivotal make-or-bake stretch in the season or anything like that, but this team still hasn't really defined themselves. And beating up on the bad teams is, A, how the Nats got back in it in 2019, and B, a good marker of whether this team will be competitive. Yep, I agree. That's good. I'm glad you agree. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's pre- it's pretty easy, though. I mean, it's pretty easy to see, like, how this team... How, this is... I would disagree that this is a make-or-break time for the Nats. Because, yeah, 1931, the Nats have a chance to start set, pulling back into the lead. They're only three games back of first place right now. So they definitely have an opportunity during this week part of the schedule to come back in and... and you know, solidify themselves as as part of the top of the division. Because even though everyone else in the league has in the division has played poorly, I'd they're still in last place first of all. And I mean, they have the worst second worst run differential in the division outside of the Braves. The Marlins are the only team in the division with a positive run differential right now. What um, a stupid division. But this, what you say? I said, what a stupid division. It is. And a actually, they division. have the they have the third best run differential in the in the division. Oh yeah. They are at minus nine. Wow. The Mets are at minus ten. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a big deal. Nats big are deal. Shooting for that Pythagorean third place, baby. But what I was saying is that this is a time where the Nats could really get back into the top of the division race because at some point one of these teams is start going to look is going to start looking good. It's going to happen. These are very talented teams. At some point, you know, Francisco Lindor is going to stop hitting, you know, 150 or whatever he's hitting right now. At some point, you know, I don't even know what's wrong with the, the Phillies are just going to stop being a nightmare. I, I, I think, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. They are pretty much a nightmare. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. They've got some weird injuries. They've got some weird luck. I don't know. This whole division, like, it's been a really weird start to the season for the NL East. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know what to make of it. You know, th- these are all like we said a couple times. These are all very talented teams with some very weird flaws in their roster. Uh, the Mets were down to two position players at one point today, and they have no one else on their forty-man roster. Uh, and one of them was that catcher whose name I can't pronounce, who's got two walk-offs in the big leagues without a hit. Oh yeah, that guy. Peter Majikis. I don't know. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, I mean these are these are flawed teams, but they're definitely more talented than they've been playing. And someone, you're right. Someone is going to go on a run at some point. Uh, and you know, you kind of hope it would be the Nationals with these next two weeks. 
Yep. So. All right. Well, I think that's it for us this week. I got nothing else to talk about. Do you? Uh, no. Global politics, the Mideast situation. Yeah, let's we'll save that for our, our auxiliary podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm being dragged off stage with a cane, like at the Apollo, right now. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back possibly Thursday. Maybe I mean, it depends on if the Wizards win. Then we'll be back Thursday. If the Wizards win tomorrow night, on Thursday, Tuesday night, then we'll be back Thursday. But if not, we'll probably be back Friday. Right. The new episode. We'll be at the Wizards game. Yes, potentially. If if anyone wants to sponsor us, give us tickets. Any big fans of the Rashcast who also have an in with uh, Capital One Arena, let me know. Yep. But until then, we will see you next time. All right. See you next time.